So good to have you today, and uh, boy, I was not expecting the weather to turn quite like that. Can you believe we had snow? Like, uh, how many of you love snow? Anybody here like snow? Okay. I will say this. I, I, I don't love snow, but there is something about when the weather turns like this that I immediately start to get a little bit in the Christmas spirit. I'm curious, is there anybody here that's already, like, put up Christmas tree? Is there any? Okay. Whoa, whoa, Okay. We'll talk about that later. I didn't realize that. That's jumping the gun a little bit. But there is something about the weather. It just kind of like uh, gets you in that mood and the season. And, and uh, so we're in the holiday season. And I thought I would just take a moment to really talk about what that looks like in this church. For many of you that are newer to our church, we have some holiday traditions, or shall I say holiday rhythms, in our church. And we kind of really think about how we end each year, and we think about how we begin it. I mean, we think throughout the year, but we, we primarily, we, we're, we put a lot of intention into how we begin the year. And so when we begin 23, we will begin with a, a, a season of prayer and fasting. It's something that our church just embraces. It helps us find our direction for the year. And so we really believe the beginning of year is often, a, we look for vision and direction. We ask God for that. And the, but the end of the year in our church has kind of become more of our tradition here is that we end it with provision and reflection. I think sometimes it can be easy to ask God, God show me and God do things and then we get to the end of a season and we never stop to reflect and go, wow, God, look what you did. And so throughout this series, we're gonna be just taking a look at what God's done in our church and what he is doing and where he's leading us. And, and so I wanna talk about kind of the, the what's gonna happen for really the end of this year, if I could talk about the holiday season, there's a few things that I want you to be aware of as early as possible so that you can plan your family rhythm around it. Uh, we have something that we do every year around the beginning of December, which is we want to go and take hope to people in our community that are really struggling. Do you know every holiday season, it's good and it's bad for some. It's, it's a season that's really bright for some and feels really dark for others. And I believe that there's any time uh, that the church should really help show the light of what Jesus is and who he is, I think it's around Christmas time. And so one of the things that we love to do is provide opportunities for you and your family to help us serve our greater community. And so we have something called Hope Day coming on December 3rd. Yeah, we can give it up for that. Hope Day is... Now, if you've been a part of EXO Week, you know how we do a whole week of kind of serving? This is where we take one day. One day. It's on a Saturday. Where we just want to encourage you and your family just to find, we have all kinds of different events. We have different ways that we're going to serve our community and people who are struggling in this season. And so I just really want to encourage you, mark it down, December 3rd, get involved with your family. Your kids can be involved. And we're going we're gonna to make an impact this season in some people's lives. December 11th, the following weekend, is going to be one of the most incredible, powerful experiences of the year. We're going to have our end of the year offering. And it's, it's always a special time when we do this. It's the only time, by the way, we do this. And in the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about why we're doing this and what we're going to do with it. Because there are specific things. We're going to help set ourselves up to do more ministry next year than we've ever done. But at the same time, we are going to come alongside and serve some, uh, some of the partners that we have in ministry around our city. We're going to come and serve them. We've got things that we're going to be doing, uh, care packages for people in prisons. Uh, we've got, uh, help me out, we've got foster teen stuff. I'm going to talk about that. We're going to make a difference in the lives of teenage, uh, teenagers in the foster system this holiday season. Doesn't that sound cool? Like, I, I love being a part of a community that says, okay, let's not just think about ourselves. 
But let's serve others. Asheville Estates, we're gonna help out. There, there's so many different things. I'm gonna talk about them. Not today, but I'm gonna talk about them in weeks to come. But these are some of the things that we're gonna do as a church with that December 11th offering. Now, Christmas time, let me tell you what's gonna happen just on the calendar. We, we gear up for Christmas. It's big in our church. We love Christmas time. So we have four Christmas experiences over three days, December 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Yep, we're doing it all the way to the 24th this year, which is on a Saturday. There's gonna be multiple times for you and your family, and this is one of the greatest times to invite somebody to come and experience the message of Jesus. Of any other time of the year, can I just tell you, Christmas is the number one time to invite someone. People are open to hearing about Jesus around Christmas time. And so I really wanna encourage you, mark that down. Now, December 25th, you know what day that is? Christmas, but it's also Sunday. We will not be having any in-person experiences on December 25th. And if you go, but it's, I go to church on Sunday. We're gonna have church the four days, uh, three days before that. You can come to as many of them as you want, okay? You get as much in as you want. But we want for every person to be able to celebrate with your family Christmas, okay? Then the following week, January 1st, also on a Sunday, we're gonna have a joint experience at 11 a.m. So special time, 11 a.m. Because we thought, is anybody gonna go to church on New Year's Day? And we're like, I think some people will go to church. Have any of you come to church with me on New Year's Day? Yeah. Anybody come? We made it 11 o'clock because we know that some of you are gonna be celebrating New Year's Eve. But you know what else I've discovered? That as you get a little bit older, New Year's Eve starts to become less and less of a thing. You got kids, you gotta get them in bed. I don't know if any of you are like this, but it's like 10.30 and like, ball drop? No, I'm gonna drop. I'm going to bed, let me know if the ball drops. So if you're one of those people, you're like, hey, I'm getting up, go to church, come, come to church on January 1st. We're gonna kick off the year moving in the right direction, amen? Amen, I'm excited about that. Today we're gonna launch a brand new series that's gonna kinda lead us up toward Christmas. And this series is called This Is Us. Now, I, this is not about the TV show. Okay, someone asked me, they're like, isn't that TV show always sad? Yes, that's, that's not our inspiration. But we're gonna talk about us for a little bit. We're gonna talk about our church. We're gonna talk about what it means to be part of the church and specifically this church. Okay, now let me tell you why I felt really compelled to do this series. It was not on my radar. But I noticed something throughout this past year. I noticed that God's been moving in our church and that our church has been growing. It's a really exciting thing. In fact, I could just tell you from year one that we were in this building in Canal Winchester to year two, we have grown 33% in just a weekend of tents. 33% in one year, which is exciting. And I just give God all the glory and credit. I mean, I know God's doing something in this community. But here's what I also realized. There's a lot of you who are brand new to this church and I, and I realize maybe you don't know the heartbeat. Maybe you don't know what, what motivates us. You, maybe you don't know why we are the way we are. So I thought, you know what? Let's just take a few weeks and talk about it. And so if you're newer to, to the church, I think this will be a perfect time for you to understand. But if you're someone who's been a part of the church, I think we need reminded from time to time. What does the church exist for? Why are we here? And here's the unique thing I found is that there are a lot of options. There's a lot of churches, and I'm glad for that because there is a big need in this world, okay? I want you to understand this. I had an opportunity to go visit a couple churches over the last month 
As we were doing at the movies, I traveled to Atlanta, visited Pastor Joel at Core Church and attended with them. We served them. We gave them a gift. We, I mean, we're just continuing to try to help people. Okay, I got the last weekend speak for a friend of mine right over here in Pickerington at his church. And you know what I noticed? I noticed that I walk into these churches and they're not ex-church. They're different. But you know what's crazy? They were nice. I mean, they were nice, friendly people. And they seemed genuinely like they loved Jesus. And it was cool because we came into an experience like this. And they had music. And we sang. And then they had a message. And I, was, I left going, this is like the same but different. It's like we are the same church but Yet it was different. I also missed our church. I missed you guys. I missed home. And you know what I realized? I realized that as I go around to different churches I visited this year, that we all have the same mission, but we have a different expression. Here's what I love, and I love that because you know what? We need that diversity in the church. We need all these different churches, and we need different expressions of the church to reach different people. I love that. One is not better than the other. I didn't walk in one church and go, man, they're so much better than ours. I didn't walk in another church and go, man, we're so much better. No, it's different. And here's just the same way I would say that just like every person you meet is different and unique, but we're all human beings. So there's the church, and we all have the same mission, but sometimes there's a uniqueness to each church. There's unique passions, just like you're passionate about certain things that I'm passionate about, and they're different things. Even though we're humans, we, we care about different things. So I see that come to light in the church. And so I want to just take a little bit of time today to talk about the church. I want to ask this real simple question as we get started. Why does the church exist? It's a great question. Why is there a church rather than no church? Why is the church even around? Why do we do this thing where we get up and we come together as a community and then we do things to serve a larger community? Why does the church exist? Now let me try to answer that question today two ways. I want to answer this broadly and say why does the church, when I mean the church or the capital C church or the global church, I'm not just talking about X church, I'm talking about all the churches, I'm talking about core church and grace and I'm talking about all the different, why does the church exist at all? And then I want to also try to answer this for you today. Why does this church exist? Why does the church exist? And why does this church exist? Now, if we're going to understand why there's even a church and why we're even part of a church, we've got to go back to the very first moment when the church got started. And I want to take you, if you have your Bible, to Acts chapter 1 today. Acts chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. But this is the moment where the uh, creator of the church, the, um, the, the leader of the church, the founder of the church, his name was Jesus, actually began the church. And so he's holding a shareholders meeting, that's the way I like to look at it, right before the IPO. You know what the IPO is? Initial what? Public offering. That's what happened in Acts 2. In Acts 1, he's having a shareholders meeting before they're about to go public. And Jesus in the shareholders meeting says some things that are really important for us. Okay, it says this in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 4. By the way, this is after his death and resurrection. Meeting with the disciples one last time. It says this, once when he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. 
John baptized with water. Isn't it cool that today we watch somebody get baptized with water? I know we're removed 2,000 years and a lot of miles, but I want you to see something. We're the same church. John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, I wanna pause for a moment. He's having a shareholders meeting. This is right before they're gonna launch. Jesus pulls them all together, and he gives them some instructions, some really instructions. Something's about to happen, I'm about to launch something. And I want you to notice the question they had because I find sometimes, even when Jesus was trying to launch the church, they were still thinking about something else. He, he said, okay guys, something big's about to happen. And it said they kept asking him. I wonder how many times they asked Jesus this question. They kept asking him over, hey, are you now gonna put Israel on the map? Are you now going to restore us politically because the Roman Empire has kind of been over us and they've been, are, are you finally going to revolt against Rome? Are you finally going to establish us as a nation again? And Jesus is thinking, dear Lord, I mean, maybe he doesn't think that because that's himself. He, I don't know how else to express this to you guys, but I did not come for a single nation. I did not come to fix your politics. I did not come to kind of set your nation straight. I did not come for Israel. Or this time, are you finally gonna fix our country? And Jesus is like, I didn't come for your country. I came for all of humanity. Stop thinking so little. Well, I think that's a message that every Christian needs to hear today because we get so caught up in the politics and think that's gonna save America. No. Politics is not going to save America. We don't even know who won the midterm elections. You know what? I don't care. It is not, you know, I don't care. Some are like, oh, I care. Just wait for Jesus to come. Listen, Jesus shows over and over. I'm not here for a nation state. I'm not here for your politics. I am here for a greater purpose, and that is for all humanity, not just one place. And by the way, I love America. I just want you to know that. I don't want you to think I don't love America. I just, I think sometimes, listen, I'm talking to the church today. We're so narrow focused that we miss the bigger picture. We can so, fo so focus on what we think he should do, what we want him to do, that we miss the bigger picture of what Jesus came to do. And so, hey, at this time, are you gonna, no guys, you're missing it, you're missing it. And Jesus gives them what I would say are his final instructions. Why do I know that? Because if you keep reading on, it says right after this moment that Jesus begins to vanish in front of their very eyes back to heaven. He does. He vanishes. He goes back, wherever that is, he goes back to the place where he came from, from the Father. And so these are the last words that he gives to his followers. This is the instructions. Now, I, I would argue that it's possible that the last thing that someone says to you might be the most important thing they say to you. You ever notice like when you're leaving and maybe you see your spouse or they leave, what's one of the last things that you say to them when they walk out the door, hopefully? I love you. Sometimes isn't the last thing you say oftentimes the most important thing that you say? Or like think of it this way. Um, I remember when my, my parents finally trusted us 
kids enough to be able to stay home alone. Do you remember when your parents finally trusted you enough to stay home alone? Like when you finally were mature enough, they thought you weren't going to burn down the house or you know how to call 911 and not kill your sister, right? I remember when I was old enough, mature enough, what were the, like, the last words that your parents, my guess is, the last words that your parents probably said to you before they left you in the house was something like this. Uh, lock the doors, don't answer the doors, and stay in the house. Your parents say something like that. Lock the doors, stay in the house, right? Listen, they did not care what you did while they were gone. You could eat all the snacks you wanted. You could jump on the bed for an hour. You could watch TV all day long, play video games until your thumbs fell off. It didn't care. The thing that mattered the most, because I'm a parent, this is how I know this, is that you lock the doors and stay inside. I would argue that the last instructions that Jesus gives us are perhaps the most important to him. This is the last thing he has to say to us. And he says to him, he says, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Spirit of God because you're going to need that to launch the church. Wait for the Spirit of God. Let me, let me read it to you. Acts 1, verse 8. Let, let me reread it to you. Put it up if you would. It says, Acts 1, 8. It says, but you. Everybody say you. Everybody say you again. You. Here's what I want you to do. Point to the person next to you and look at them and say you. Point at them. But you. Make it awkward. You. Who is you? It's also me. Who is you? He was talking to his followers. He was talking to the people who said, I'm with you, Jesus. But you. He was talking to them. But listen, he's also talking to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will what? Would you say that phrase out loud? What are we to be? You will be my. You will go to church. That's not what he said. You will have incredible kids programming. No, that's not what he said. You will uh, host basketball games in your gym. No, that's not what he said. You, okay. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Where are we going to do this? In Jerusalem. That was their backyard. Throughout Judea, in Samaria, and all the way to Canal Winchester, Ohio. That's what that means, by the way. All the way to Canal Winchester, Ohio. What, what, what's the church going to be about? The church, that's you, that's me. What are we to be about? Our lives as following Jesus is all about repping Jesus, represent Jesus. You and I, the moment we say yes to Jesus, the sum total of really ultimately what our call is, is to represent Jesus. Why? Because Jesus left. He said, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm passing the baton. It's your turn. The way I was, I want you to be. The way I lived, I want you to live. The way I loved, I want you to love. The way I served, I want you to serve. You represent Jesus wherever you go. Now listen, I believe so much in this that this calling is not just for us collectively, but each one of us individually. That means when you're at work, it means when you're in school, when you're with your coworkers, when you're hanging out with your family on the weekend, when you go to the football game, Everywhere you go, here's what Jesus said. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to rep me. Represent me.
wherever you go. Now, how can we represent Jesus, I'm just asking this question, if we don't know what mattered to Jesus? I think we need to know. I think we need to know what mattered to Jesus. If we're gonna represent Jesus, if your life is supposed to emulate his life, you need to know what really mattered to him. And thankfully, Jesus told us. He told us what mattered to him. In fact, one moment, right before Jesus was arrested, he was walking, traveling through this town. And as he's walking through this town, there's a crowd of people all over the place just pressing in on him. He's walking through a crowd of people, and he sees this guy who climbed a tree who's sitting there looking at Jesus from up in the tree. Does anybody, if you know this old Bible school story, know who it was that was up in the tree? Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, some of you, you all been to church a lot, you went out of school. Zacchaeus was a wee man, a wee little man was he. he. That's a old song, I won't even go into that, but he was just, Zacchaeus couldn't see and so he climbed up in a tree. And when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he stopped. Mid-walk, it just, he stopped. Now here's what you need to know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was Um, He was considered kind of like the low life. In society, he was um, somebody that no one liked. He was considered a traitor. He was a thief. He was a tax guy. He was an IRS agent. No one likes to hear from them. Like nobody wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. They, They considered him literally kind of the low of the low. And when Jesus sees him, Around this crowd, he stops and he looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, I want to hang out at your house. And the moment Zacchaeus comes down and Jesus goes to his house to have a lunch party, hang out, everybody starts talking. I can't believe Jesus would hang out with that low life. And all of Zacchaeus' friends, his other hated friends, all came to hang out with Jesus. And everybody's going, what are you doing, Jesus? You belong in a church, not hanging out with this Low life. And it's in that moment that Jesus tells us what he's passionate about. Tells us why he came in the first place. In Luke 19, verse 10, let me read this verse to you. Here's what Jesus said. He said, for the son of man, that was a term he gave himself. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are what? Can you all say it out loud? Who are are lost. Jesus literally said that he came left heaven, whatever that is, stepped out of that into our world to experience life with us. Why? Because he said people are lost, and it bothers him. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been lost while driving before. Um, it's hard to get lost these days, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Because every single one of us have a small little handheld computer with us that all you have to do is punch in the name of the location. You don't even have to know the address today. Isn't that great? You just punch in the name of the location and immediately it gives you turn-by-turn directions. It's the greatest thing ever, isn't it? I mean, you never have to be lost again. But how many of you are experienced enough to have lived before You had Apple Maps on your phone. How many of you remember those days? Raise your hand if you did. Okay, yeah. See, before we had smartphones that could do all that, I want to help all the young people who don't know what we're talking about. There there were these little devices that you could buy and stick in your car that had a person in them. Uh, I don't know if you had um, a guy named Tom. 
in your car. We called him Tom Tom. He was a friend, you know. And you could you could tell Tom Tom where you wanted to go, and he would tell you how to get there. It was great. Um, or maybe Maggie. You had uh, Magellan. Uh, Magellan. I don't know if you had a little Magellan device or Garmin. I don't know if you knew Garmin. Any of you, right? So before we had all had smartphones. You had to kind of get this separate little device. Otherwise, you could get lost so easily. It was so important. Now, I don't know if any of you remember a time before those devices. Anybody remember a time before? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we got the mature crowd with us today. Mature, I said mature. I do, I remember. Do you, you know what I had to do before there was Tom Tom and there was a Garmin? Here's what, we did have the internet back then for all you young people. I had to go, before I went on a trip, we go on vacation, I'd log on to MapQuest. Y'all remember MapQuest? <laughs> and you type in the address of where you're going, and we give you three pages of turn-by-turn -turn directions, 28 steps, and then you would hit file print on it, and then you would print it out, and somebody would navigate while you're driving. It was the greatest thing ever, but how many of you know MapQuest got it wrong half the time, had the, the exit number wrong, and you're all of a sudden making a wrong turn? Now, I won't go before that, because before that, we had these things called an atlas. Yes, some of y'all remember like, oh, give me an atlas again where you just follow those little lines. Now, it is amazing to me today that anyone can get lost with all the technology that we have today, and yet somehow Pastor Russ still manages to get lost, even with, uh, if you ever get to know him, it didn't matter. But, but here's the thing. Which one? Jesus said the reason why he even stepped into our world was because what he saw was Many were lost. We're not talking about trying to find the beach. What he knew is that every single one of us inside of us, we have a longing to reconnect to the source from which we came. There, there's something in all of us that we, here's what our hope and prayer is, right? Because we don't understand this thing called life and death and eternity. Here's what I know. Most of us, whether you believe in God or not, we hope that if there's some place after death, we hope that it's heaven. We, we, some are like, I wanna go to heaven. If there's a hell, I don't wanna go to hell. I don't know, but here's what I know. We, we all have something inside of us that we are trying to find our way in this life. And what we're trying to find our way to is not just heaven or hell. It's actually the creator who made us. And we go from job and money and house and relationship and we're, we're just title we're just trying to find our way and Jesus said I came because people are lost the reason why he's so passionate the reason why he would give up heaven to come to our world to experience the pain and suffering that goes with humanity is because people are lost and people are trying to find their way and he said these words I want to, I want you to hear what he said specifically about that path about finding it in Matthew 7 verse 13 he said this enter he's talking about eternal life enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads where everybody say it leads to destruction here's what he said this is the sad reality many will enter through it that we're all headed somewhere in life and here's what Jesus noticed about humanity 
is that we're all trying to find our way, but we don't realize that many of us are headed in a direction that will not lead where we want to end up. So many of us in our world, our culture today, is headed down a road. And listen, he says that it's a big road. In fact, he calls it Broad Street. It's Broad Street. Didn't they call it? Like it was a broad road. In other words, it's a really big, it's an eight-lane highway. Do you know when I went to Atlanta I, um, to visit, uh, one of the things that I realized very quickly is we don't know traffic here in Columbus. We don't know traffic. You get down there and literally we're driving on freeways that have eight lanes on each side. And I remember Sunday afternoon, Pastor Joel's driving us toward the airport. And I'm thinking to myself, everybody must be going to the airport. Eight lanes in the middle of Sunday afternoon, bumper to bumper congestion. And here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. That everybody is headed in a direction. And here's the tendency that we think when the flow and the current and everybody's going in a direction. Here's what we think. If everybody's going this direction, it must be right. Right? I mean, if everybody's living this way, and if everybody thinks this way, and if everybody's moving this direction, it must be right. Right? And Jesus says, well, actually, No. Just because everybody's moving in this direction does not mean it's, it's right. In fact, Proverbs 14, 12 is just an incredibly insightful verse. It says this, there is a path, there's a path before each person that seems, what? It seems right. I, I think I'm living right. I think I'm doing the right things. I think I'm headed in the right direction. It seems right, but it ends in death. In other words, that if we just go with the flow, if we go with the current of today, of culture, of our society, if we go where everybody else is going, we have a tendency to think, well, I must be going the right direction. And Jesus said, no. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. And we have to understand something. There is a current in our culture today. There are influencers in our culture today. There are voices. There is no shortage of people handing out directions. This is what it means to live a spiritual life. This is what it means all over the place. You know what I have found about the lovely internet? And it is lovely. I have found that you can find whatever you want to support whatever you want to believe on the internet. You, you know that's true, right? I'm not just politically, spiritually, financially, anything, philosophically. I'm just telling you, you can find anybody on the internet to agree with you. I promise you. In fact, it makes it so interesting what the Apostle Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to Timothy. The Apostle Paul said something, and I was reading this verse, and I thought to myself, did he say this 2,000 years ago, or did, was he saying it for today? Look at 2 Timothy, it says, verse of, or chapter 4, verse 3. He said this, for a time is coming. I can make a great argument, it's right now. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow, notice this, their own desires, and they'll look for people, they'll look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Never before have I ever lived in a time when you have access to as much information, misinformation, anybody to support whatever you want to believe about life. Well, if that's the case, here's the big question. 
Can we all live however we want and end up in the same destination? We all think we got it right. But what if we don't have it right? Jesus said that the deceptive thing and the reason why he even came in the first place is because there are all these people who think they got it right, but they actually got it wrong. And they're going to end up one day in a destination they never intended to go. I don't want to go there. And so Jesus said, I, I came to help those who are lost. And then he, then he said this in verse 14, Matthew 7 still. In Matthew 7, verse 14, here's what Jesus said. He said, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to what, church? It leads to, it leads to life. And only a few find it. Here, here's the reality is that there's a broad path that everybody's moving on and just feels right. And I just operate by whatever I feel inside my truth and what everybody confirms. Or I just, Jesus said there's a lot of people that think that they have it, but they're lost. They don't realize their printed out map quests have the wrong exit and they took the wrong road. And Jesus says there's actually a small little path. There's a small road that leads to life and only a few find it. Could it be that that's why Jesus came? Because rather than just kind of like from wherever heaven might be, rather than just signs and prophets and people and then everybody ignored him, Jesus said, okay, I'll go myself. And you say, how, how do I find the right direction? Here's the cool thing. When Jesus came, he said, it's not actually a direction it's simply a person how do I know what that path is because I think it's a great question all of us should ask I know this I want to end up whatever life is if that's eternal life that's real life here on earth I want to end there how do I know here's what Jesus told us it's not a direction in fact one time he was with his disciples right before he was about to be arrested it was in fact that night he was he was with his disciples and he said I'm going to leave you guys and they're like, no, 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 don't leave us. And he said, Jesus said, you know how to get there. I'm going back to the Father. And they said, we don't know how to get there. We, we don't have a Garmin. We don't have a TomTom. -tom. We don't have any turn-by-turn -turn directions. We have no idea how to get there. We've never been there before. And Jesus said, ah, but you do know how to get there. And then he said these words in John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, he said, I am the way. I am the path. I am your directions. I am the truth. I am the life. And he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus said, I'm the path. It's not about figuring out like, okay, so I, do I have to do this many good things to make up for the bad things? Do, do I, like, how do I live my life so that I get it right, so that I end up in the right place? So I do? Jesus like, no, it's not all those things. You don't need all that. All you need is me. All you need is a relationship with me. That's all you need. Can I just tell you what happens the moment you say yes to Jesus? You, you may not have all of your questions answered. You may feel like my life's a mess and I just don't know that I really can, all that good stuff. But listen to me. The moment by faith you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says you get a new identity. 
something changes inside of you. And the Bible says you become a new creation and the old is gone. The old person that was leading you in the old path, now there's something new dwelling inside of you and you become a new person and you have new eyes to see and you have the spirit of God inside of you leading you to find him in the right path in life. It's so exciting that when you say yes to him, you step onto that path. And here's what you need to know. You don't just become a new person, you also get a new purpose. The moment you say yes. You mean the moment like I, I really know a lot, maybe I memorized some of the Bible and all that. No, 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 no. The moment you say yes by faith, you become a new person and you get a new purpose. And that brings me to our church. You see, you and I, we're the extension of the same church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. We would not be here if Jesus does not start that 2,000 years ago. And the very thing that he asked them to do, he asked us to do. What does it mean as a church today? What, what's the heartbeat of our church? Well, we wrapped it into a real simple statement, a mission statement that I want to teach it to you. And some of you, maybe this is going to be new. Others of you, maybe you've heard it before. But I want, I want us to be reminded what is our mission here at X Church? The way I've encapsulated all of that is it looks like this. Our mission here at X Church is helping people get on the path to God. Real simple. I just talked about the path. There's two paths. Which way are we going? We, wanna, we exist to help people get on the path to God. I want you all to say it with me out loud. I think one of the best ways that we learn something is when we, we say it. When we get it out there, when we're our brains process having to actually say it. So I want you to say it with me. Our mission at X Church is helping people get on the path to God. That was lousy, okay? I'm just, I'm just gonna say you got a C minus. We can do much better than that. I'm trying to show you what mattered to Jesus. This, G, people are lost. I came to show them how to get to the Father. Okay, I'm just telling you, if you wanna encapsulate all of what we, why we exist in our expression, it's this. And I want you to say it with me. Our mission at X Church is Helping people get on the path to God. Do it one more time. It's helping people get on the path to God. I would love for you, if you're going to be part of this church, to memorize that. I would love even more than you just memorizing it, that you actually help us do it. That, that we are called, like Jesus said, I'm leaving. I need you to stand in for me. I need you to represent me. Will you rep me? Wherever you go, you help someone. And here's what I know for all of us. Someone helped me get on that path. Someone helped me. Did someone help you? My guess is yes. Someone helped me. So I am so grateful that there were people in my life, I had family members in my life that were praying for me, that invited me, that took me to church, took me to youth group, took me to an, an encounter where I said yes to Jesus, all because someone cared enough about me. Listen, once you take a step, this is the cool thing, once you take that step onto the path, guess what? Your mission becomes helping people get on the path to God. You help someone else. And so I want to ask this question as we close. It's a simple question that I wanted to ask you about church. And that is this, why are you here? And I'm not saying that like, please don't be here, I want you to be here. I'm asking you, and I want you to think about this. Your life, your experience going to church. Maybe this is brand new for you. Maybe you've spent most of your life going to church. 
And so I, I want to ask you this question. Why are you here? Why did you go to church? Because it's the thing to do? Because it makes God happy? Because my parents make me? I don't know. Why are you here? You grew up and maybe you grew up, that's what we did. So I just kept doing it. Why are you here? Between you and God, I'm just asking, why are you here? See, I think sometimes we can, we can get into so many traditions in life, we can get so many rhythms in life, and maybe it's just, maybe parents always made you go to church. Maybe you stopped going to church, but then you had kids, and they started asking questions, and you weren't sure how to answer, so then you went to church. Maybe you needed friends. Maybe you, you needed help. Maybe you were drowning emotionally, spiritually. Maybe you felt lost. Listen, I... I don't know what brought you here. I don't know what brought you to church in the first place. I'm glad you're here. But I want, I want to give you a perspective just as we begin this series together. Here's what I understand, and I'm, I'm realistic about it. You and I, when we go to church the first time, and what dry, brings us to the church is that we go to church to have our needs met. I go to church to have my needs met, and that's okay. Because I want you to hear this. If you are not on that path, if you're someone who doesn't have community, if you're someone who's trying to find your way, we're here for you as a church. We care about you. We're gonna serve you. We're gonna welcome you, love you. We wanna help you meet Jesus. We wanna help you get on the path in your journey. Because faith is a journey. It's not just a decision. I go to church because I need help. I go to church because I need hope. I go to church because I need forgiven. I go to church because I'm lost. I go to church because of my kids. I go to church, that's fine. There's a selfish aspect of the gospel. It's okay. God's good with it. He died for you. But I want you to hear this. That might be what brought you to church, brought you to the point of understanding who Jesus is. But the moment you say yes, something changes. Now I want you to see it like this. I don't go to church, I become the church. And I become the church. Here's how we become the church. I become the church when I meet other people's needs. I become the church. You go to church for yourself. That's why people go to church. But what my hope is, when you have an encounter with Jesus and you begin that journey, you get on the path, my hope and prayer is that you will then become the church where all of a sudden the mission that he gave us to be my witnesses becomes your mission in life. And we make a difference in the world. Can I just tell you, there is no greater feeling in this world than knowing that God would use you and me to help someone else get on the path to God. In fact, I wanted to share a story with you before we close. The story of a couple that came to our church earlier this year that had been moving around different places, had felt lost, they had no community, they had no real relationship with God. They were just searching for something. When they came to this church, they met Jesus in a real way. They met people who loved them and served them. And it changed everything about them, including their future. And so I wanted to share the story of Corey and Sergio and the way God is using your, your serving, your giving, your investing in this church to make a difference in their lives. Take a look at the story. I'm Corey. I'm Sergio. We've been coming to X Church since April of this year. We both grew up with families that, um, you know, wanted us to go to church and 
even though I was raised Catholic, I don't feel like the way that I grew up was really honoring Christ, and I didn't have a relationship with him at all. I didn't pray. I didn't do any of that. I was trying to do it all by myself. Sergio and I got married three years ago, and since then we have moved around to three different states and then back to Ohio. When we were living out of state, we really didn't have any friends. We didn't go out with people or make time to find community. And so it was really lonely, and it was hard because we didn't live near family either, um, which is another big reason we moved home. We needed that community and that family and to be surrounded by people that would love and care for us. Sergio's friend Tommy invited us to X Church. Corey and I were both stubborn in ways, not wanting to go. We finally took up the courage and went to church on Easter Sunday. I was very nervous. <laughs> I remember sweating so bad before I was walking in. But once I got to the doors, everybody was saying, hey, are you new here? It's, everybody knew exactly who I was almost, like knew I'd never been here before. And I remember telling Corey that I'd never felt so welcomed anywhere before. It made me realize that I am noticed, you know? I'd never felt that before. So I wanted it and I wanted other people, I wanted to give that to other people also. Um, I decided I wanted to be a servant leader. I, I think God just put something on my heart. I was hearing a whisper that this is where I was supposed to be, and my next step was providing a place for other people to feel welcome and put the smile on their face that they put on mine the first time that we were here. And so providing that for other people feels really good, not only for myself, but I, I know I'm obedient to God's call on my life. and whatever I have to do to take a next step, I will do it. I, I love coming in on Sundays. Even if I'm in a terrible mood, I walk in and I'm telling people where to sit and it's just infectious. Everybody has the biggest smile on their face Sunday morning. And I like to add to that. We both also got baptized during baptism weekend. For me, myself, it was emotional just to give my faith to God. Um, and then for my little brother, it meant a lot to me to see that. June and July, um, I was offered a job opportunity where I worked before we moved back. Um, at the time, I was just depressed. I didn't feel like I was making any money. And out of nowhere, my old boss calls me and he's like, hey, you know, you ever consider coming back? And I was like, you know, you, you know, I've I flirted with the idea before. And he's like, well, I'll make you, make you an offer. And he offered us a house. We had just gotten comfortable here at church and I was struggling. I didn't know what to do. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed. One Sunday, Pastor Tim just had the right message for us and Corey and I both walked out and I said, well, where's your head at? And she told me where hers was at and mine was in the same spot. And for me, I said no, because I felt like there's a greater, greater gift that God's gonna give us. There's something more. It just didn't feel right going and moving away, even though the whole reason was to come back for family and community. 
we would be leaving that again. And there's something special about what God has called us for in life. And even though we don't know what the future holds, we're anxious to await and see what doors he opens and closes in our lives and see what he has is gonna provide for us. I, uh, there's, some, there's someone who found their way. They, they went from place to place and felt lost until they met Jesus here. And so much so that they'd even take a very lucrative job offer to leave because they felt called here. I was like, wow, that's somebody who found their way and who's following Jesus and now wants to live and represent Jesus. And I, I just think that at the end of the day, I, my prayer is that you don't just go to church here. I, mean, I love the fact that we're here, but I don't want you to see yourself as just someone who goes here. I want you to see yourself as part, become part of what God's calling us to do, helping people get on the path to God. Would you all stand to your feet with me? We're gonna, we're gonna close out this moment in the first, the first part of this message. And here's what I would love for us to do in this moment is for us to ask God to use us as his church to make an impact in the community around us. I said, we have so many opportunities in front of us as a church for this season to bring light, to bring hope, to bring direction for people who feel lost and hopeless. And my prayer is that, that God would use us. He would begin to stir in each and every one of us how we can do that this season. So would you bow your heads just for a moment? Close your eyes. I want us to ask God to do that in us. Father, we come to you now asking you to stir something fresh inside of us. God, for those of us that maybe have, have come to church, Lord, out of routine and rhythm, but maybe have never seen ourselves as being the church, as responding to to the call to be your witness. God, I pray that you would give us fresh eyes today. Give us a new sense of purpose today. I pray, God, for the season that we're in, that you would open up doors. You would create opportunities for us to represent you, Jesus, wherever we go. I pray, God, is that we would take what happens in us on a Sunday, but we carry it with us to the job on Monday, that we take it to the school and with our friends on Tuesday, that God, that whatever you're doing in this community, God, I pray you're doing it in me. I pray, God, that all of us would begin to rise up to the calling the purpose that we could have the same passionate heartbeat for the loss that you have for the loss. God, help us to see people differently. Help us to love people differently. God, I pray that you would start something in us that would overflow to the city around us, that God, this world would be changed because a group of people right here in Canal Winchester said, God, start with me. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? 
And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.